This is IAQ Radio, Indoor Air Quality Radio, the voice of the indoor air quality industry, with your host, Radio Joe Hughes, and the Z-Man, Cliff Zlotnick. And now, Radio Joe Hughes. Good day and welcome to IAQ Radio Plus. This week is episode 552, and joining us is Joe Medosh of Hayward Score. Joe is a healthy building scientist, and we're going to talk today about the business of healthy homes. So looking forward to that. Before we get started, let's thank our platinum sponsor. IAQ Radio Platinum Sponsor is John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at johndon.com. That's J-O-N-D-O-N.com. I also want to thank our gold sponsors, Particles Plus, Healthy Indoors Magazine, Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions, and AEML Inc. Laboratory. And, of course, our association sponsors, Siri, the Cleaning Industry Research Institute, the Indoor Air Quality Association, and the Restoration Industry Association. And now you can win a cool prize. It's time for the IAQ Radio Trivia Question. Be the first to correctly answer. Simply email your answer to czlotnick at cs.com. Or if listening live, just text your answer from your computer. And now, here's the Z-Man with this week's IAQ Radio Trivia Question. Hello, everyone. I'm sorry to report no one identified Hippocrates II as the ancient physician who was first to separate medicine from superstition and religion to establish it as science based on observation and case recording. The IQ radio trivia question for today, Friday, June 28, 2019, has been sponsored by Ideas, the solution chemistry company providing unique solutions to odor removal surface cleaning, and decontamination problems. Here's today's trivia question. Name the trademarked graphic image created by UPMC Children's Hospital Pittsburgh in 1971 and widely employed in the United States in labeling of substances that are poisonous if ingested. Back to you, Joe. All right. Thank you, Cliff. Today's guest is Joe Medosh of Hayward School. He's a healthy building scientist. He's also been uh, in the industry now for 30 years as a contractor and 10 years as a master trainer. Joe has been very involved in the home performance world, done a lot of work with the different associations and uh, organizations that deal with home performance. But a lot of people don't realize he started out in the indoor air quality world. And uh, currently, he is working with the Hayward Score folks. We're going to talk a lot more about that today, but let's get started with our interview. Hello, Joe. Do we have you on the line? I am here. Thanks for having me on here. You guys are doing amazing stuff for our industry, and we appreciate all of your efforts, uh, not just here on Friday, but when I see you all over the country. I appreciate that, and we appreciate uh, the support of Hayward Score for our Healthy Building Summit coming up, 2019 version. This year, we're flipping the paradigm, practice to research. Uh, go to healthybuildingsummit.com to learn more. And um, Joe, let's start with a little on your background. It's like you came full circle. You, you were an indoor environmental professional, if I recall correctly, and then you got into that home performance world, and now you're kind of tying those two things together. Is that accurate to say? 
Yeah, I uh, while I was doing a variety, I lived in Prescott, Arizona, and it was a medium-sized town. And so um, if you had multiple options to provide for clients, then you had more work to do. So um, I was doing home inspections, <coughs> pardon me, and uh, IEQ and um, environmental assessments and all those uh, types of things. And as I was learning, I got really confused as to when I talked to my mentors as to there's a bunch of mold in the attic. There's a bunch of mold in the crawl space. And their response was, oh, that doesn't matter. It's not in the conditioned space. It's not in the breathable area. And I was scratching my head. And not long after that, I got a blower door. And I was able to do a much higher level of diagnostics. And I realized that you guys were wrong. And I left. I was not happy with the concept that if it's not in the immediate conditioned area, that it was not impacting the occupant. So I just kind of abandoned you guys for a while and um, dove off into energy and uh, pressure diagnostics and then realized that this home is impacting people's health and uh, realized I had to come back. And, uh, and by then, people had kind of woken up as to the reality that all things in the envelope, no matter where they are, can impact the health of the occupant. You know, Joe, you're, you're now with Hayward School, and I'm wondering if you could just, you know, kind of quickly give listeners uh, what your responsibilities are there and um, what your position is now with Hayward School. Yeah, so I, uh, I left energy because I felt that it is a huge waste of energy for the amount of energy that we save. So I kind of thought that this was a wrong path to spend a career on. And I realized that, again, that it was more of the occupant health. So I uh, met Bill Hayward and uh, realized he wants to work more with contractors like some of the people listening here and realized that I also know that the only way to change how the, the entire industry, the environment, the healthcare system works is to figure out what are the evidence-based best practices. And the way to do that is to uh, document what we do in the home and then document what benefits the occupant, which is, seems to be a challenge right now. So that's one of the things that we're, we're after is how do we actually uh, consistently figure out what is actually going on in the home and what, if we do something in the house, can we actually track that it actually improves something? So, yeah. And with, with Hayward score now, I mean, it's you, I know Carl Grimes, Dana there. I mean, what, where, where do you fit in with that crowd? Um, yeah, we all have kind of have our own niche, you know, uh, many of you know, Carl Grimes and he's kind of our, um, leading expert of all things. Um, and uh, my goal, he's very uh, technical knowledge. Mine is trying to be more practical knowledge. So I have a lot more uh, skills and assets to go along with the actual building uh, envelope uh, and environment. And he has all of those to go along with what's in that or what's on the surfaces. And uh, so together we really make a good team. Um, and Bill, uh, not people don't know this, that, you know, that uh, you know, you may know that Bill Hayward got incredibly sick and his family got sick. That's why we have Hayward score. But many people don't know that right now, this is actually um, a lot of it's funded directly by Bill to try and make sure that we are able to change how people live and see if we can't, um, you know, figure out solutions for many people that actually are having uh, extreme conditions in their home. Not, not everybody's chemically sensitive or has other sensitivities, but those that do, we want to make sure they know there are options and it could be their home. You know, it sounds like a nice little mix. You you know, you have your background in that home performance world a lot more so than Carl did. And then, you know, Carl comes more from the IEQ world. Um, what are you doing to try and help pull in more contractors and consultants to use the Hayward score? Well, 
Um, if you, I do use a lot of analogies between energy and, uh, you know, the health environment. So the concept is, is, um, I may, people are able to go into a home and determine uh, energy savings because there's a meter on the wall that says, yeah, meter went down, you reduce their energy load. So, uh, I'm trying to focus on, is there a way to, uh, figure out, uh, what are the health benefits of things that we're doing in the home? And the reality is we're probably going into a thousand homes a day uh, and reducing energy and doing good work, but we don't track the health benefits. It's unfortunately not on our radar that we should be tracking these things. And if we were tracking uh, all of the health benefits or indirect health benefits, even that we do from air sealing and a variety of other uh, upgrades in a home, then uh, our healthcare system would be completely different today. We would actually understand that the home is one of the primary ways to keep people healthy or keep them from being in the hospital is if we actually had a really great home environment. And it's um, one of my slides I got on there is about uh, is IAQ and uh, you know, that IAQ is not really a healthy home. So that's one of the things that I try to preach to this group that people uh, inadvertently uh, confuse uh, indoor air quality with healthy home. And IAQ I think is only a small portion of what that is. So the reality is, is that there's a lot of, uh, uh, trip fall hazards, which actually are even a greater savings for the healthcare system than even asthma. So, you know, the amount of people that have trip fall hazards and the, the, their impact on themselves personally in the healthcare system uh, is a is a billion dollar amount. Um, I know that asthma is also a large amount, but these are things that are preventable. You know, that's a great. That was one of the slides, and there's a series of them. Um, I saw you speak recently at Phipps Conservatory. Uh, it was a presentation, a panel discussion on healthy homes in the Pittsburgh area. They had the uh, uh, director of the Allegheny County Health Department was there. Uh, you were there and uh, a few other excellent speakers and uh, talking about healthy homes. And I was like, I, I got to get Joe on to talk about this. And we're going to show some of those slides in a moment. Um, but I want to, before we get into that, I want to kind of set the stage a little bit. What, when you talk about the business of healthy homes, what do you mean? I think you just kind of alluded to that to some degree, but how do you take the knowledge that you and the Hayward score people were pulling together and, you know, the indoor air quality association and all the others, we've got all this great information, but how do you turn that into a business opportunity? Because if it's not a business opportunity, then I don't know that we'll get as much participation in it as we would otherwise. Well, one of the things, you know, BPI is kind of uh, Building Performance Institute has been one of the founding um, proponents of, so let's step back. So, uh, you know, we, I'm sure you have Kevin Kennedy on here. Many people know Kevin Kennedy or know that name for sure. So uh, yes. Kevin is the one who tried to uh, kind of introduce us all to this concept and educated us all. And uh, together, what's amazing about Kevin is that he's really open to let's collaborate. So we've been collaborating with Kevin on a variety of uh, concepts. So, um, but when Kevin's concept, he's actually a clinical analysis of what's going on in the home from a hospital side, right? And Children's Mercy other, Hospital. City. Children's Mercy Hospital, thank you, right, yeah. So, but other places around the country, you talk about healthy homes and helping the occupants was more of a either clinical or a community health worker or somebody who understood the occupants well. And they were able to go into home and assess those conditions, but they didn't understand the home in terms of a building or building science or home as a system. So they may see that they've got four dogs and comment on that, but they weren't able to see that they had um, a variety of 
potentially a leaky house or uh, other conditions or water stains or other stuff that really were probably impacting them probably even more than the dogs were. So um, BPI decided that they would take building science and educate um, these folks into how do you do healthy home assessments and put that on a whole nother level. So that's really the basis for what is the business of that. So we really thought that this would catch on much faster than what it has not. Um, and, but it is slowly coming. Um, the analogy I give is that it took 30 plus years for us to even figure out uh, energy assessments and how to get people in homes to do energy upgrades. So to think we could do this in two or three years was kind of a unrealistic, but it is something that we can do sooner because we have social media and other stuff that help us uh, promote this cause much faster. So there's a lot of challenges that go along with that. Um, I, I do have a couple of slides to kind of uh, outline that in the business section uh, below the Hayward score area. So um, part of it is the contractors don't understand what they're doing. Many of them think that they can just use a black box, some IAQ monitor to determine issues in the house. But if people really have issues, they're a, a challenged um, client. And that's not something that a lot of people want to spend time on. They really want to go in do their thing and get out and get paid, but they can actually get paid a lot more by working with people who are, have issues in their home and, and will do anything and pay a lot to solve these. So, um, we're trying to figure out how to get client, get contractors engaged with clients that are not a, um, you know, a, a three visit fix as I would determine. Okay. And before we move into the slides here, and what I want to do is uh, also first recognize the National Center for Healthy Housing, because I, I know you've done some work with them. And I know that Kevin was doing a lot with that group and they were dealing more with code enforcement people and health professionals, like you said. Um, and, and I think when they reached out to BPI and got invo involved more with home performance people, I think that's turned out to be a real nice fit. And the, the slide that we showed before about the dangers of falls, that's always been a big issue with the National Center for Healthy Housing. That's, you know, keep it safe is one of the uh, principles of healthy housing. So I just wanted to kind of tie that in there as well. Um, you know, many of our listeners have a pretty decent business also. They're doing, you know, things like mold inspection and mold remediation. Um, and I think what you're proposing maybe is a little different. You know, we're not saying that there's not a good business model there for doing, you know, indoor air quality assessment and mold inspection and mold remediation, but that if the home energy and home performance crowd got more involved with tying that into their business model, um, that might be a, a way of being more impactful. Yeah. So, um, I mean, some of the business models are people that are on the phone or, can, you know, there's a variety that are on here. So, but if you're assessing a home, not just going out to assess the damage and repair it, that's a completely different kind of concept. So if you have the ability to uh, do assessments, like somebody says, Hey, come out and help me figure out what's going on in my home. Then you will make more money. If you talk about the health aspects or the health benefits that this client will get uh, from some of the things you'll be doing. And many of them may, have or may not even be aware of that some of their health symptoms may be from the house. So I do think that there is a avenue if you're if you're doing assessments at the house that there are opportunities to um, broaden it besides a moisture issue or besides an air leakage issue or those things. So I think that there are ways to broaden your dialogue with the client to um, make them understand that it's not a, a one 
uh, one spot fix, but there are multiple benefits from uh, improving the performance of the home, not just uh, trying to find a leak that's coming in from the bottom of the basement. That leak could be your introduction to them, but then you could then discuss the other types of issues that um, you can deal with if you're you know, a home performance professional, but you also have the the uh, health, a better understanding of the health. I guess part of the problem for them is, and I know this is something you're working on, something we'd like to talk more about, is how do you, you know, document the initial health issues and then document that what you have done has helped with that. I think that's going to be the hard part to talk about here and to, to get people to uh, maybe have a process, a method, a, a place to go for that type of documentation. Well, one of the things that is, you know, clearly that's why I work with Hayward Score is that we have the ability. So we do, we document several things. We document the attributes of the house, the physical attributes. We document the the habits, the things that people are doing in the home, whether they're using their exhaust fans or not. And then we document symptomology. So we are not HIPAA um, privacy restricted, nor are the people that work with us. So there are ways to, to, to go ahead. That's an important point. You're not HIPAA restricted because that's another one of the things that people worry about is, you know, if I start asking the wrong questions about health issues, am I, uh, you know, am I, am I going too far, I guess. That's right. Or, um, and we try to have uh, clear disclosures as to what we're doing and how we work with contractors. But for right now, our ability to work with an occupant and ask these questions, we ask, uh, 19 to 20 different symptomology questions. We ask them if it's um, moderate, severe, um, and then we ask them if it changes when they leave the house. So we have phenomenal data as to things that are impacting people on a severity. That's one of the ways we track um, symptoms is, is, is how many severe symptoms do they have and does it change when they leave the house? So those are some of the ways that we think we can start documenting or focusing on uh, conditions in one of the things I'll highlight later is that we've learned that it's not a, a one-to-one issue. There's not one symptom that shows up with, you know, nasty crawl spaces that are really wet. It's actually a number of symptoms versus the symptoms. So we're learning that it isn't a, uh, again, a direct ratio between uh, if you have this, then you're probably coughing and sneezing. No, it probably means that we can document that those folks have uh, four to five or three to four more symptoms than those that have a uh, that don't have those conditions. Let's let's jump into these slides, Joe. I think that might help illustrate some of the things you're talking about here a little bit better. First, I, I think John, what do we got? What is a healthy home? Um, this definition comes from where, Joe? Uh, this is actually used by CDC and EPA and a variety of others. I don't know the exact origin, probably HUD, but everybody uses this as a concept. So. Uh, I personally think there's something that's better, uh, easier to remember, and uh, is occupant orientated. So, so this is one of the concepts. So Kevin Kennedy came up with, um, you know, healthier homes as healthcare. Um, and my concept to add to that was, you know, home maintenance is preventative healthcare, and that the sooner we, you know, get these kind of mantras out that your home impacts your health, and that maintenance alone is something that will improve the health of the occupant. Uh, is something that will actually resonate well um, with um, the occupant and with contractors that are doing basically things that are improving the house itself. You know, that's a tremendous point you make there. Home maintenance is preventative health care. And I think 
it's an area we've had a lot of problems that both contractors and consultants, um, you know, we know that certain things like adding an ER, uh, some kind of uh, uh, ventilation into your home is can be helpful, but if you don't maintain it, it's it's not going to be helpful. And in fact, it could cause problems. You know, as we tighten these homes up, you need that outdoor air coming into the home. You need that proper ventilation. But if you don't take care of that and maintain it, you're going to have more issues. So yeah, and that's something that I, I don't think people know that maintenance costs major repairs later. But I don't think we've been able to address that. Um, you know, we know that moisture is one of the number one issues that causes. Uh, people to get sick in a house. So, but we're not able to, we've not yet to communicate that with an average occupant. So lack of maintenance usually is a number one source for moisture intrusion. Moisture intrusion causes people to get sick. And as we know, causes mold, uh, thus benefiting most of the people on this phone call. So um, we understand those, those conditions, but um, preventative, if everybody had really good maintenance, uh, it would take uh, an active plumbing leak to send most of these folks back to somebody's house. Let's go to the next one, Joe. John. This was, uh, it's funny, at the, at the event we went to, they played that video before you got to your presentation. I don't know if they knew you were going to do this or not, Joe, but. Uh, oh, yeah, a- we all talked about it. We, we, we knew it was a very powerful. Uh, uh, so <clears throat> if you have not seen this video, uh, don't do it now, of course, wait till our show is over. But you should go to, uh, just Google, um, you know, the uh, indoor generation um, and uh, you can actually see that uh, if you can do Verilux indoor generation, you'll find it almost immediately. It'll start filling in already. But what it talks about is that, um, and what we try to point out is this is the first generation who just graduated college. That's considered Generation Z, where you know since the time they could probably get touch things, they've been uh, doing electronics. They've been staring at a screen. Um, they grew up with these things. You know, they, they can do this stuff better, faster than we can. Um, and they also grew up indoors. Um, and one of the things that's happening indoors is, is the lack of biodiversity. So if you're not getting exposed to an outdoor environment, we know we're impacting your ability to resist disease. So um, these are things that are now just t- coming to age. Uh, meanwhile, we have more and more people that are actually um, living in these environments and are not going outside. And their indoor environment is closed off and only getting tighter and tighter as we go. These, these envelopes are getting super tight. Uh, so one of my slides I have later is about um, other products that are going to make the indoor, we think it's kind of tight now, but we can actually go to ultra tight envelopes that will, that you, your greatest um, exposure and your greatest contaminants will actually be your own skin cells and your own bioeffluence and other things that come off of you will be your greatest contaminants because the home is so tight. So and that sounds uh, kind of crazy, but yeah. We also clean regularly uh, a lot more now i think than than maybe over the years and and that reduces that biodiversity too i believe oh it does indeed so you know all of these um, um uh, antimicrobial everything is really what's restricting our ability to be biodiverse and um you know some things i'll just talk about you know, maybe a slide but, but you know you want to go to robert dunn's book never home alone uh, this is a phenomenal well done research and describes the research about what we are doing uh, kind of at one chapter at a time. And by the time you're done with the book, you get the whole concept that, you know, we are, if you eliminate all the things that are biologically challenging or interesting in the home, when you, when you stop eliminating them one at a time, then something else allows to become the dominant issue. So when you start 
getting rid of normal bacteria, good bacteria, then other bacteria can take over. And that's what's actually happening right now in our bodies and our homes is that we're starting to eliminate things that really are healthy for us. And that it's hard to distinguish between good and bad bacteria, but when you kill all things, then you're only allowing something else to come over and take over in your environment. And we're now seeing the impacts of those. Let's go to the next slide, John. Okay. So IAQ is not necessarily a healthy home. And we talked about this, that older adult falls are a growing burden. And I think that's a, that's a very interesting and important slide. It's not just uh, indoor air quality. We also have to worry about keeping homes safe. Let's go to the next one. Okay, so these are some Hayward's so, principles. I like this, Joe. Yeah, so these are some of the, the, the one, two, three, and four are the four principles that Bill came up even before I even started with them. And these are the, their principles of what a new or existing home should be. Um, but then we added the fifth one, which are what we realized is that it's the occupant that um, determines many of these things and actually has the greatest impact. We, you know, we keep thinking that, uh, the home is uh, what's really doing it, but it depends on how the occupant uses that home. It's a no-brainer uh, for us, but for not uh, for a lot of the people, they don't really understand that as a concept. So we know no. when you're not using exhaust fans or um, not cleaning much or have a lot of tchotchkes all over the house that you are impacting your health. So after, you know, Bill developed this early on, I believe, and then now you've got thousands and thousands of people that have taken the Hayward score. Um, any other things that, that changed with respect to this? It looks like you still have the four. You added the fifth, obviously. But is there anything else that, that, that um, any of that data that made them rethink this? Um, well, I, we, um, we did go with the number three, which we, it used to be non-toxic. And we realized that there's, there's no such thing. So I'm heavily focused on the chemical, uh, chemical impacts that we have and what we're doing in our home or remodeling. So uh, one of the things that we're commissioning from Hayward Score, who's also um, kind of a subsidiary of Hayward Lumber, that's really where Bill's background comes from, is that we're going to figure out by October is what is the actual um, list of all the materials and chemicals that are in an average new home. Um, so it'll be your first ingredients list for a home that is incredibly detailed, just like a box of cereal. It'll be focused on what are the majority of the materials and those chemicals that are in there. So that's one of our uh, goals is to kind of release that. Uh, I'm sure we'll be able to sh uh, share some of that at your conference. So that's one of our goals is for the first time people can see the amount of formaldehyde that actually could be, uh, that's actually in the materials that could show up in a new home, uh, which is actually pretty shocking. It really is. You had that at the, I remember at the IAQA conference, you, um, you had a, a visual demonstration of the amount of formaldehyde in the home. It was pretty shocking. Yeah, it could be more than uh, uh, two to four gallons of formaldehyde, depending on the type of materials that you're using in your kitchen. Could, it, it increases that significantly besides just your OSB and your floors and walls and uh, eye joists. All those things add up to a, a whole lot of uh, formaldehyde that's in these products. It's still allowed. I know we have formaldehyde restrictions now, but uh, that doesn't apply to structural lumber. So your kitchen may have less formaldehyde because it's not structural, but everything else that's structural has no restrictions on the amount of formaldehyde it, it could use. Now, manufacturers are stepping up the game to reduce that, but um, some are not. Let's go to the next slide, John. Healthy housing. We Okay, oh, yeah. we went over this definition. Anything yeah, I, I, I changed the order. Somehow it didn't get, get caught up with you guys. So um, 
why don't you go to, uh, I know you can see the slides there. Why don't you go to the uh, occupant is the IAQ receptor. That's kind of one of the concepts that we think is a, a challenge for the industry and challenge for the business of healthy homes. So, um, Gee, cool. yeah. So um, the difference here is the concept between, you know, what are you breathing? Where's your air come from? Um, and uh, some of the dynamic things that happen from that. So, you know, you you can think of your static house versus all the things we're doing in the house and actually move air through that. That's fascinating, too, the way you show that. If, when the, the video actually, you turn on the dryer and how much air comes into the home and how much goes out. Uh, let's go to the next one, John. And what are we breathing? I, I always thought that was a good graphic there, Joe. Well, the LBL came out with a concept that your walls, if you only do exhaust-only ventilation, that you your walls are a MERV-8 to potentially a, a MERV-13. So they actually are providing a filtration, but I, it's not really my choice of how I want to do that. Exactly. Um, so, But it is it, 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 an illustration of, you know, when I talk to contractors and occupants, they're like, oh, I don't know, it just kind of comes in. I'm like, well, yeah, this is how it comes in, and this is really what you're breathing is through your walls. I'll tell you what, let's uh, go one more slide, then we're going to break for halftime. Oh, this is the one. Got it. Yeah, this is their fly. So what, what, before you hit the, the next, which actually will animate these conditions, is showing if you're using just an exhaust fan. So this is your bathroom exhaust fan at 50 CFM and your kitchen exhaust fan at 100 CFM, and they're on for 20 minutes, just 20 minutes. That's the volume of air that's taken out, and what we forget about is also taken in. So hit click uh, forward, and you can see it at animate. Hit enter. And what's a hard, this one is actually just a bulk illustration of where air, the, the amount of air that's exchanged. It doesn't really, really come through the wall, but it is coming through your attic, your crawl space, uh, around your uh, rim joists, all these kind of places. So, you know, you need to run these things, but we forget about are we able to control the makeup air, or if we're not using balanced ventilation, then uh, you end up with a variety of contaminants being taken out and brought back in. Hit click again. Click again. Okay. Oh, let's go. Let's go forward. One more. And Joe, is this where you want it to be? Yeah. The, the next one is the dryer. But if you want to take a break, we can come All back right, and uh, or quick. yeah. Yeah. So, so I had to turn the house. This is this is one dryer, one dryer load, 200 CFM on average, for one hour, right? And this is the amount of air that you can see is taken out in your dryer. It will actually, for most homes, one dryer load could potentially exhaust all of the air in your house and replace it with outside air. So uh, we still have yet to understand the concept that the dryer should just uh, take air in and out, or have a damper that brings air in, but it, it doesn't. So. And most people are doing multiple loads at a time. All that air that you just took out was conditioned. You brought in contaminated, potentially outside air or became contaminated coming in. So uh, go ahead and click one more time and you can see the final. So that's actually what's happening is um, uh, the, the bulk of air that actually shows up. And you can see the numbers at the bottom. So we use these things all the time. And we don't realize that how much air is actually being exchanged through your environment. So if you wonder what you're breathing, um, it is happening regularly because we need to use these types of devices. Hey, Thank Joe, you. if if I may ask one right. question before Please. I ask. Joe, uh, well, thanks for joining us. What my question is, is that uh, I'll be 69 th this year, and when I grew up, my mother opened the windows, like, all the time. And I think our whole generation believed that opening the windows brought in fresh air. 
And my wife does exactly the same thing. And I remember taking the Hayward score and I actually did it. And actually our, uh, our, our voice spike did it and his house was significantly healthier than mine in terms of your score, because the one thing that killed my score was the fact that my wife leaves windows open. She just believes it's fresh air and, and, and so on and so forth. I mean, how do you re, how do we re-educate the public that opening your windows is, is bad? I mean, it's really, really not to battle because I think most people believe that opening the windows allows fresh air in. So to me, it seems like a, a, a dilemma. And I, it seems that you've thought about this. Yeah, that, that's a great question. And it is one of the easiest things that an occupant can do to ventilate their home, but it depends on where you live. So we have lots of friends that live in Pittsburgh area where opening your windows uh, may not be the best solution or you need to be cautious of which way the wind is blowing. But where I live, we do that all the time. In fact, we do give you better points if you open those windows. But um, there are other parts of the country where um, you know that you can't do that. It's just um, not not uh, – uh, productive to include you know, open them. But we do think that even in areas like that, even if you just did it for five minutes, try and flush the house. But the goal is to try and open windows on two sides of the house or get a, a, a flow that moves through the house, even on a cold day, that if you just flush the house briefly, um, that you could reduce some of the uh, carbon dioxide issues that are happening, some of the contaminants that are in there that are generated from the indoor environment, that we do think that most people don't have a good balance ventilation, but that's one way to just kind of bring in some, uh, you know, outside air that does have benefits. So uh, we, we agree that your, your best, easiest ventilation system are the windows. Hopefully you don't have somebody burning leaves next door or a factory that's uh, preventing those issues. Or your dime went from the Claret Coke works or something. <laughs> that's right. right. Yeah, right. All right. I, I've learned that you could be within 10 miles. 10 miles is enough to smell these factories or even further away. So it's not like they need to be in sight. You don't even know they're around you sometimes. I'll tell you another thing, Joe. I live 80 miles uh, east from Pittsburgh, up in the middle of the mountains. And you would think the, the 0.3 micrometer particles and the, the small particles would be much better up here. They're not really. I mean, they're... Uh, the measurements I've taken have not shown them to be all that much better than they are in other parts of the country, um, even in more urban areas. So it's very interesting how, uh, how far pollution travels and how it affects our homes. But let's stop and take a break. We're going to thank our sponsors. We'll be back in 90 seconds with the second half of our discussion with Joe Medosh. IAQ Radio Platinum Sponsor is John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at johndon.com. That's J-O-N-D-O-N.com. Gold sponsors are Particles Plus Engineers and Manufacturers of feature-rich particle counters and air quality monitoring instrumentation. Learn more at ParticlesPlus.com. Count on us. Healthy Indoors Magazine, a free online digital magazine for industry professionals and consumers. Subscriptions available at HealthyIndoors.com. 
and AEML Laboratories. Free FedEx shipping, great pricing, same-day results, and never a rush fee. Learn more at AEMLinc.com. Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions, who use advanced sensor software technology and embedded computers to provide superior environmental test instrumentation. Visit them at WolfSense.com. Association sponsors are the Indoor Air Quality Association, a multidisciplinary organization dedicated to promoting the exchange of indoor environmental information through education and research. Learn more at IAQA.org and RIA, the Restoration Industry Association, the granddaddy of the restoration industry. Network with leaders. Learn more at RestorationIndustry.org. Siri, the Cleaning Industry Research Institute. See more deeply through science and research. Learn more at siriscience.org. That's C-I-R-I science.org. All right, we're back for the second half of our interview. Joe Medosh, Hayward Score, a healthy building scientist. Great to have you. Cliff, anything else you wanted to ask about the first half? I do have a uh, an, an inquiry, Joe. Um, it seems to me that in, in every industry, there are early adopters. And I'm wondering, do you know someone that's an early adopter from either the indoor air quality field or from the construction field that's doing what you uh, are, are talking about? You know, because I'd like to see what their website looks like. I'd like to, you know, kind of see their advertising and, you know, kind of how they're getting how they're getting this across. I figured you must know somebody. I just wondered if, if you did. Yeah. Uh, I, let me, I'll have to think about that and see if I can't interject that in a second. So there is one person who's on your call today uh, who gets this, understands it. Uh, he mostly is doing um, um, immediate moisture repair, but he does do diagnostics. And John Lapater is one of the people that I wrote, call and refer to. And he understands the building as a whole, as many other of the listeners do. Uh, but I know that he's doing a variety of assessments. He sometimes uses a blower door to determine uh, contaminant pathways. Um, so I think he is th- that it's bridging uh, for those who only do repairs to people like John, who uh, I talk to regularly about how this kind of comes into play for his business model. Um, so that's so there are people out there that are get this or doing it and been doing it for a long time. This is not something new for John and his business model. So I know those things are actually occurring. Thanks. I wonder if another might be Nate, Nate Adams and what he's doing, but. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Nate is, um, um, he is uh, a little focused. I love what Nate's doing. He's really is driving our industry from consumers and contractors and he is doing health, but he's also focused on uh, just a, a well-performing home. The, the real concept is, is that they call them uh, non-energy benefits or NEVs or things you do in the home can actually be benefit for the occupant. So I personally think that many things you do in the home that are healthy actually have energy benefits, but I have, haven't been able to switch the, uh, the dialogue that way. But in general, most things you do to make a home better performing have great health benefits. Again, we're not really tracking them. So it's hard to promote that to say that, you know what, if we do air leakage down to a certain air change per hour, that people who have asthma are going to the doctor less or hospital visits. And those are things we could be tracking. So it's a shame that we still don't track these things, but um, I think it's slowly 
will be happening. There's more case studies. There's more actually even utility providers that are interested to find out what are some of the health benefits that their work that they're doing for energy is actually happening. So there are few, but uh, five years from now will be different. Again, I'm on a 10-year path that this becomes something that's synonymous with organic foods is you understand uh, what's in your house as much as what's in your putting into your body. Interesting. All right, Joe, we're back to the slides, and I think this is where you wanted to start. The occupant is the IAQ receptor. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so many of us live in, and I would say die by this, these instruments that are on the right side. So I can go into a home and measure a lot of stuff and very accurate. But the reality is, is that the occupant's receptor is uh, uh, 10 to 100 times much more sensitive than any device you can get out there today. So uh, I can come into somebody's house and be like, oh, your particulates are low. Um, I can hardly measure any VOCs. Um, but the occupant and that occupant was actually had no problem with uh, putting a, uh, a liquid VOC right in her nose and did not bother her. But um, some people will be like, well, I don't care about your instrument. I still can't breathe in this house. I'm still coughing and sneezing. Um, you can confirm that there's no visible signs of moisture damage. Whatever it is, you can say, I can't find anything in the house. So there's a different side of actually now not using your instrument, but using your occupant as the better instrument. So how can I guide, and Carl Grimes is a master at this, all right? Uh, in fact, maybe we can do a, a mini session on this at your, session, at your conference, is that how do I guide the occupant to help figure out what's going on in their home? Because I can't anymore. But I can now educate them and guide them as for them to document and do a variety of things to focus on what actually is causing them some of their most uh, significant issues. So that's a, a different part of our industry that we've yet to adopt. Uh, John maybe do something similar to that, but the concept is, is that um, when your instruments can't tell you everything, how do you adapt to help solve their issues? Well, I think most people in this world are getting more and more referrals for people who have chemical sensitivities or mold sensitivities. And like you say, the instruments really aren't showing much. So, um, I think the other, the flip side of that discussion is, okay, the occupant may be able to guide me to, uh, if I, if I know what I'm doing, they may be able to guide me to the issue, but then how, how do we fix the issue? How do we remediate? How far do we have to go? That's another question I think we need to address. And a lot of that is again, back to the occupant. So the goal is to be like, okay, I, I, I did what the, S500, 520, or whatever criteria you did or your work of scope, but um, you need to be prepared that you, maybe your occupant is, and this is why contractors don't want to bother with these kind of clients or they don't want to touch them because I may do all this work, <coughs> pardon me, and then find out that they still have concerns. But I can tell you, if you just spent $12,000 and they still have concerns, and this is what you promised you would do, that they're going to say, okay, now what do we do next? And they're going to get their checkbook out to figure that out. Um, hey, we're score. We don't. We, we regularly tell renters, especially, or even some uh, homeowners, that you might consider moving. That this we can fix this house, and they know the next house may have similar problems. But there's a certain point where you may be better off by just uh, finding another home um, and trying to improve it, or knowing that you should avoid these types of conditions. So, people who are chemically sensitive are really hyper aware of these. The people who are new to these uh, concerns are they're personally challenged as to what it is that's causing my issues. All right, let's go to the next slide, John. Oop. 
There we go. All right. So let, this is real quick. Let's just kind of fly through this, Joe. Hayward score. Yeah, let's just do that. Let's go. Right next. next. I'll, I'll tell you him to click. So go ahead and click. Click. So the reality is we have 92 questions. We have an average of four answers. So on each individual um, score, uh, go ahead and click. We have 90 or we have 71 million variables that we can figure out. So go ahead and click. Yeah, there is. So we have a buttload of data that we can actually make some determinations. And the, the challenge is, is that how do you deal with this much data? We actually have a full-time data scientist. And uh, so go ahead and click. So the, we have a lot of scores from across the country. Um, we have a lot of scores coming from mostly this, uh, what I call uh, wet areas and uh, uh, the East Coast. So you can see that the, the large populations are giving us the majority of our scores. Go ahead. Next. These are some things that people are saying about our homes, all right, that things like I became sick after they put in a new smart meter. Smart meters actually give off uh, EMFs. I mean, Sal could probably do an entire session on these kind of things. So there's a variety of things they're telling us, and um, we need to be better at listening to what they're saying and not trying to think of them as being like lunatics or crazy or I have no idea why you think this is an issue when to them it is. Whether it is or isn't, it doesn't matter. It is. And that's your goal is to solve that for them. Next slide. Next. This is just kind of an outline of the amount of data we've got and shows that the majority of our respondents are single family, two to four people with pets, and they're living in a wet climate, which I guess for some reason is you know really no surprise. Uh, go again. Next. Here's one that's incredibly powerful, and that is the difference between owners and renters and those who have control over their uh, indoor and outdoor environment, those who can actually maintain their homes better than others. So you can see that if you look at the top and see some of these um, uh, questions that we ask and see at the bottom that renters are living in much more severe conditions than owners, right? So it's just shocking. And we have a lot of people that are renters that come to us with just horrific stories. You know, somebody has cancer and their bathroom is covered in mold and uh, the the landlord said, well, uh, I'm waiting for you to die. I'll fix the bathroom. Uh, well, and what's yeah, nice but, to I think yeah. with doing this the way we are, people can stop and pause and take a longer look at some of these slides on their own. Let's go to the next one, John. Yeah, sure. So one of these we figured, we thought we figured out is, and this one when I came to uh, Hayward Scores, wow, we can say if you have visible mold, you probably have these symptoms, all right? And that's not the case. Next slide. We, we learned this the hard way. So we, we just assumed that this is how data would uh, think. So we can say visible mold, and these were the odds of these um, uh, symptomology showing up. Um, and you can, as you go across, you can see vacuum, and we realize that uh, most people have a vacuum. We all vacuum, and not many of us have skin rashes, so we need to reevaluate that. And the symptoms after cooking, um, that person probably is not a good cook, or a lot of people don't like what's being fed to them. So next slide. <laughs> So we realize it's the opposite. Let's do a, a, a regression. Let's kind of go the opposite. Let's figure out, let's start with the symptoms and then figure out what are the most common attributes. So next slide. Okay. So this is an amazing graphic. All right. And then uh, you kind of see, see how, to, uh, so that darker green means uh, higher uh, relationships between A to B. There's no direct correlation. It's actually just the, there is a, a way to do that. Do one more slide and we can simplify this. So the concept was if you had sinus issues, what were the number one issue for sinus issues? And we realized surface dust. In fact, surface dust is one of the most uh, highly um, uh, equated issues to a lot of stuff that's out there. Um, a sore throat was the start of your HVAC system. And we know that we're getting 
solid correlations because if you have an inhaler, you should have asthma, and that's our highest correlation that's actually happening there. So, um, next slide. Oh, I like that. Okay, go ahead. All right, so that's that's the hard to read slide. Go one more, and I'll simplify it for you. So this is what's right now in our preliminary data that we're trying to figure out, and it, there is no A to B connection between forced air, mobile home, visible mold, crawl space, uh, basements with dirt floors. We're not getting high enough uh, connections between having these attributes and some of the symptoms, but this is preliminary. But we are learning that it's it could be a, an increased number of symptoms, not a single symptom. So we've converted from tracking one symptom to talk about, remember I mentioned severity of symptoms, so people have severe symptoms, yes. and the number of severe symptoms is actually how we're trying to reevaluate uh, attributes or behaviors in the house. So that's our new data analysis, and we'll have that ready for you when we see you in uh, October. Next. So we actually find out from people, this is really, this is really where it becomes the, the rubber meets the road. So we follow yeah, up with people and say, hey, what did you, you do? Yeah. Um, and 57% people are making changes, whether they do it or a contractor does it. Does it 7% have moved, right? That's a pretty large number of people that took our score, reevaluated their house, and decided that they should move. Next slide. Oh, that was entirely based on on the reevaluation, not that they may have been moving anyway or anything. They well, you're right. that's, that, that's hard to confirm or conclude with doing data that's direct without talking to people. But um, we figured that a lot of people that were moving may not have been um, already concerned about what's in their house because they were moving is my conclusion. But we, I don't know that for sure. So I think it's interesting at the bottom that roughly half of the people who take the score, if I'm under, if I'm reading this right, actually made some kind of changes. Uh, that's right, especially for renters. And most of those are probably habits, um, maybe uh, from either vacuuming or using their exhaust fans or uh, a variety of stuff that they learn. Taking your shoes off is one that uh, people forget about. And then they, they, it's a question. And then they realize, well, I should take my shoes off. So those are some of the small things that we can track. And uh, the next slide is, a, a direct connection between uh, contractors and um, business models. So you can see these are the things that people were doing, whether they, they, they did it or they hired a contractor or Home Depot to do it um, is a different slide. But in general, many of these things we're doing. Many of the contractors on this uh, call are doing some of these things. So um, to me, I can tell you that a successful healthy home, we call it intervention or upgrade, is when I evaluated the carpet and decided that they should replace the carpet. So that, that's where we went beyond an energy or, um, you know, basic um, improvements of the envelope to trying to find the direct contaminants that could be in the house. So removing a carpet or evaluating the carpet means that it was a successful assessment. Whether you did or didn't is one thing, but knowing that that could be impacting your occupants is huge. So I'm not looking at people did testing. So a variety of things are in there, you know, removed mold. Uh, added purifiers. There's a lot of stuff that I even had in black, but in general, this is an, these are people that are taking our score and doing stuff in their house, and many of them want to have contractors help them with this stuff. So installing an exhaust fan is not something an average homeowner will do. Let me see if I understand this right, Joe. So of all the people that took the score and then did some kind of follow-up, 6% sealed their crawl space. That's right. Okay. 
Okay, interesting. Next slide. This is this is yeah. You work with this is uh, my end factor here is probably around uh, three hundred to less than four hundred. Okay. And these are the symptoms that they also said. Like, oh, we did some work, and we didn't we didn't associate the work they did with these symptoms. These are just general symptom feedback. So, um, respiratory symptoms that improved are sinus congestion. Um, you know, coughing. You can see. I, I'm not going to read slides. So, but you can see that they were giving us feedback. So this is the beginning of documenting what we're doing in the house and how we can improve that. So that's really the focus is to, um, you know, what contractors can do and how we can track. Uh, I, I, I'll be blunt. You know, after how you track it, uh, Hayward Score makes it easy to do that because we also engage with the client over time to see what's going on. Um, but in general, these are the things that we want to find out as an industry. I find one really interesting here, extreme fatigue, um, non-respiratory symptoms improved. So can you explain to me what you mean by that 22% who, I, I, maybe I'll tell you what I think it is and then you let me know if I'm right. 22% of the people who made changes noticed an improvement in their extreme fatigue? Well, that means that their their symptoms of extreme fatigue was improved. Not that they got t more tired. It was more of the concept that they were um, that it, it decreased is really how to read that. So my data scientists, these are slides that we do internally that I'm able to share. But in general, these are things that have come out. And these are again, these are preliminary. But uh, our concept is is that their extreme fatigue was reduced 22 percent. And now, the sleep disturbance. They probably slept better. It, you have twenty one percent sleep disturbance improved, and you have um, huh. extreme fatigue twenty two percent. So, I'm just wondering if, if sleeping better sleeping uh, is what caused that, perhaps. And I assume, Joe, yeah, you're, the, the, go ahead. Yeah, th these are the follow ups that we try to um, determine or figure out with these occupants and. As you can imagine, it's kind of a, it's it's one of our challenges. I wish we had more staff and more time uh, to do that. So we are working with uh, military groups right now and getting some of the same kind of data directly from some of these documents. So, okay, next. So my part of my one conclusion is is that we are thinking that we could have determined what are the issues in an occupant based upon things that are happening in the house. And the reality is, is that occupants are just so much more complicated than the indoor environment. And we know the indoor environment is way complicated. And every year we learn more and more about the biome and other issues and uh, chemicals and combined chemicals and all these things, but it is nothing compared to the complexity of a human body. And then we put this human body in this complex environment thinking that we can figure some stuff out. And the reality is, is that, um, I personally think it's impossible just as, as a general thing, but we can come to some um, common conclusions based upon more data that we get back or more feedback that these conditions in a home are commonly, you know, not uh, healthy for the environment of the occupant. Joe, I'm, I'm wondering if, um, has Hayward score gotten any interest from healthcare providers like, you know, maybe we should have people take their Hayward score before and after they have certain procedures done, et cetera. Have you gotten any interest on that? We would love interest on that. Or if somebody's interested in working with us on that, that'd be great. But we've not been able to um, uh, overcome that hump. 
Yeah, that's a tough one, I'll bet. Let's go to the next one, Joe. Yeah. Joe. So here's the last one that goes along with this occupant uh, concept, and that is that, uh, go ahead and click again, um, is that you, if you believe you have an impact, is just as powerful as whether or not you physically have an impact. There's something that happens to occupants that the, the, the belief of impact in the home, we ask the question, do you believe your home is impacting your health, right? And those who say yes to this concept have the highest number of, um, of symptoms and uh, the, uh, the, the worst case scenarios of some of our symptoms. So um, that's actually uh, an indicator that they think that there is something in their environment. So the, the belief that you, your home environment is impacting you is an indicator that the chances are there is something there that could be doing that. Whether it's psychosomatic or physical is, you know, it doesn't matter is my, my conclusion. You, you need to figure out how to make your environment more adaptive to you personally or healthier. Um, and that's, uh, that's where we're, we're at right now is how, how do we help these types of folks? And that's a business opportunity. One more slide. That is a business opportunity. And those people have a lot of money. So for those of you that are listening, we would love to get your feedback. I would love to get your feedback, okay? So you're familiar with HaywardScore.com, but this is our new version, which actually has individual action items and individual um, uh, things that do there. So it's go to HaywardScore.com forward slash beta, and it'll look, it'll look identical the same. Um, and um, you, if you're savvy, you can enter a new email would be best, but if not, we'll figure it out. But I just want to get people's feedback as to what they thought about the the new um, individual action items uh, how does it interplay do you feel it's more engaging so if you have a chance to do that i'd appreciate your feedback sure i think i'll be able to get in there maybe cliff next yep all right let's i want to jump ahead to um uh i know we're time we only got a few minutes left is that correct what's our time frame yeah we can go over five minutes we got about five seven yeah, okay minutes. great yeah, once you skip down towards the uh, bottom of uh, the, uh, there's another slide that says indoor generation. Oh, let's see, John. Yeah, these are these are all things I do as talking points. But yeah, you can skip. There's, there's several slides. You may want to just jump out and jump back in because you have uh, probably 12 slides to go through. Okay. So uh, yeah, there you go. We'll just cut this out for the final version. So I'll start talking about it before the slide comes up, but it's talking about the uh, indoor generation, as we mentioned earlier, and I said uh, another slide to come back into it. So one of the things that we're going to see happening in the future, keep going down, is uh, the concept of uh, aero barrier. Many of you may be familiar with uh, aero seal, which is for duct work, right? Yes. And um, yeah, so this is actually, all right, there you go, number, that's it. So the difference here is that we you saw the video. There's a link to the video. But aero barrier is an envelope sealant similar to uh, aero seal. Uh, it's, a, it's a different goo, but it allows you to make the home tighter. And it's used mostly on new construction right now. But you can go from a, you know, you can easily achieve your code compliance of three air changes per hour, but you can get down to one air change per hour or below one, or you could achieve a passive house by just spraying this goo and they do a blower door test, you actually can see the number live. But there's a couple of people out there, um, there's a guy out of um, Utah, uh, Mitchell, who's doing this for existing homes and existing commercial spaces. Hmm. This could actually be incredibly scary as to where we're headed on how tight you can make a home. Because people think that, oh, I'll make a home tighter and it'd be more energy efficient. But the reality is you could make your home and people who, who are could abuse this scenario or not be properly trained would do it without adding proper ventilation. So I could take any existing home. I don't, it could have to be 
you know, large openings to not be able to bring it down to one air changes per hour. And you're talking about a home that could be 60 years old and to go from 10 air changes down to one would significantly impact those occupants. And if you didn't do really good ventilation after that, we now are going to beginning to see a new difference between people who are chemically sensitive to people who are hypersensitive. I, I predict in the next 10 years, we're going to start to see this, the people that their indoor environment is now impacting them more than ever, just from the code changes, let alone the ability to have some other um, device that could actually make your home incredibly tight. Uh, uh, next slide. There's two lives. You're good. How are they doing that in existing homes? Is I mean, you would think insulation would get in the way or uh, they can only do it in homes. No. With yeah. So if you're doing it on a, um, uh, a new home, they do it either um, pre-insulation with a exposed studs or they do it, uh, after drywall, commonly. So after drywall, then it actually just finds all of the leaks and, and seals them. It's a pretty small uh, goo that's you know paintable. You don't really see it. But for existing homes, they actually cover all of the furniture and all of the carpet. There's a variety of things where this stuff sticks and doesn't stick to. But in general, um, they probably within three hours can change the uh, envelope tightness in your home uh, to a level that we never would have thought would have been achievable by hand. Interesting. Now, what about the chemical composition of that particular product? Isn't that something of concern too? Yes. What a great question. So um, I, we met with them. We asked for a sample. Um, we were told we could get a sample and then we were told, no, you cannot get a sample. So right. we're, we will figure out a way to, we will present that um, as part of our chemical analysis of a home uh, when we finish that. We'll, we'll assume that this may have been used and uh, we will be sending that to a lab of for people, some of the people from those labs visit you frequently here. So uh, that's one of our goals is to figure out what is that and what changes on heat, what changes when there's a higher level of ozone. Those are some things we don't know, but we can try and estimate. My concern always has been, too, how long will it last? I mean, you know, when you're done and you do that lower door test, the minute, the minute you're done, is, is that going to hold up over 5, 10, 15 years or not? I, I've seen the goo. I think it'll easily last um, 15 years without much of a change. It's, it's, it's very flexible, um, so it doesn't have the ability to get rigid and, and separate. But because it's not that expensive and will only come down in price, so you're like, well, this is a 15-year upgrade. You change your roof every 15 years? Well, every 15 years you come out and have aerobarrier barrier come back and seal your house if you need to. Okay. Next. Uh, so these are, these are two that are really pretty amazing. So um, these are in you know major country. I got, got this slide from uh, Kevin Kennedy, and um, so biodiversity is declining. We talked about this with a variety of tighter homes. We don't go outside. We have no um, relationship with our outdoor environments. And uh, and then go ahead and click again. And this is the reverse: that biodiversity is declining, and the prevalence of inflammatory disease is increasing. And the inflammatory condition is one of the things that's now becoming the most common uh, factor that you could track in terms of whether people are having extreme issues in their home. And some of these can be done through blood tests or a variety of other stuff. So these two things are really shocking as to what's happening between, uh, if we increase biodiversity, some of these inflammatory diseases could uh, level off, but this is not something that happens overnight. So again, opening your windows, as we talked about earlier, you know, going outside more, uh, getting a dog, um, you know, stop using uh, uh, cleaners that kill everything. All these things we're reducing biodiversity, and we need to figure out a way to reduce that um, as, as best we can. All right, Joe. Next one. There's the book you yeah, mentioned. So this is actually there's the book I mentioned. Um, I, I got the audio version. I got a hard copy. I got the PDF because 
does that for all of you that may have something to do with mold? I don't know if anybody here on the, on the call does that. You should read chapter seven. Uh, chapter seven has a concept that they did testing in Europe, and uh, it's been supposedly done here. We've talked about this, and that is that um, drywall comes preloaded with stachybotrys or other molds that are just waiting for a moisture event to then expose themselves. So they actually did significant testing in Europe and confirmed that this was the case, that gypsum in general, based on its exposure outside before it's manufactured and puts in paper, has this ability to already come preloaded with mold. And um, their, their concept was the Sacubotrys is not an easily airborne mold that in order for it to show up in some of these conditions, it had to already be there. And they made strong conclusions that that is actually the case. Interesting. Any more on these yeah. slides, Joe? Last one. I'll make this one. Uh, so, so the concept here is that um, you know, 25 years ago, ma many of us don't remember as a kid eating, you know, non-GMO or organic foods. That was not something that was even uh, at the grocery store when we were kids, right? So in our lifetime, we've watched this. In fact, since the, probably the late 90s, this has now entered our thing. So you go to a grocery store, you go to restaurants, and they all talk about organic foods. So the concept is if we can figure out a way to associate our homes with the same concept of organic lifestyle, um, you know, knowing what's in the furniture I buy, knowing what's in the house that I bought, if we're able to get to that level of knowledge and understand that these chemicals should not be in these homes, then I think we will jump to a whole nother level of what consumers can demand and what manufacturers will be making. And we will actually see a, a more drastic relationship between health and the environment and uh, getting better ventilation into our homes. Interesting, Joe. I think there's been some progress there. I think people realize now with the BPA and, and all the other things, um, at least there's some recognition now. I don't know if a lot's happening, but it seems like there are some products that are, or some manufacturers that are trying to differentiate what they're doing versus the, you know, what's been happening in the past. But uh, I think you're right. Yeah, over but besides a water bottle, I mean, if you, you, know, you go to a Walmart or any store or Amazon, you can't determine if that plastic has BPA in it or other things. There's a variety of chemicals that we know are hazardous, but they're not required to be disclosed. I mean, unless it's a water bottle, I don't really know if there's something that's not or in or not there. They usually say that's not in there. So, I think we still have a ways to go before we we're able to disclose um, what's really in the products that we're buying. Absolutely. Now we've got a way to go. Joe, uh, Cliff, before we sign off, any final thoughts, questions? No, I'm good. Thank you. And Joe, before we go, we always like to give you the last word. Uh, anything you'd like to add, anything we missed that uh, you'd like to add or anything you want to make sure listeners hear before we wrap it up. Yeah, my soapbox is figure out a way to document that's shareable or um, able to make sure your data is being used for others as to what are the health benefits, indirect or not, about things we're doing in the home. So all, all of you out there, we're connected to a lot of, pe lot, lot of different processes and business models that can give us the data we need to figure out what's actually some of the best procedures, processes, that are improving the lives of the occupants. The sooner we do that, uh, the faster we can change and get healthcare involved and figure out a way. If, if you had a, your home improved, you could reduce your health insurance. Wouldn't that be a, a, another level of healthier people? Absolutely. Or if you could sell a home and, and resell it be, as a healthier home, would you get some uh, additional, uh, you know, put a little better price on that healthier home versus one that's not healthy? 
I'm trying to develop the concept of a healthy remodel and see if there's a way to get a, a point reduction or similar to an energy remodel that includes health benefits like ventilation. That, that, that would be the our next goal that we're trying to achieve in the next two years. And right now, Joe, as far as I know, Hayward scores obviously one way you could document the before and after. Are there any others out there that you're aware of? Uh, I'm not, um, but, um, you know, if there are, we'd love to see what there are in terms of docu- documenting symptomology or uh, pre and post um, habits, those kind of things. So you can, as, as a lot of things, you can reinvent the wheel or you can just use something that's free uh, to do that. And we have a way for contractors to keep track of their clients through Hayward Score with a database. Um, so you can do, we don't share symptomology just to make sure we try and track that directly, um, but we can um, confirm number of symptoms or other things as part of our, our model that we're developing now. Um, but the goal is if, if, if they can track it, you can know that it's being tracked, then we can share that data with a contractor. Fantastic. Joe, thank you so much for joining us today. It's always fascinating. Listen, Joe, thank you. Uh, also the, the folks at Hayward score, uh, you know, it's, it's, I mean, these are things that weren't happening five, six years ago. It's just amazing how far we've come actually over the period of time we've had IAQ radio. It's been 12, I think years, maybe 13 and, um, Hayward score didn't exist prior, you know, when we started this and the national centers, healthy homes program was going, but then, uh, you know, that spread into the healthy home evaluator with BPI since we started doing this show. So, I do believe um, there's been some changes and, and we're headed in the right direction, but it's going to take a little more time. And uh, hopefully with good folks like you and Carl and the rest of the folks at Hayward score, we'll, we'll be uh, moving forward and learning more about how improving homes may also improve health. So this is radio Joe Hughes saying thanks to this week's guest, Joe Medosh from Hayward score, my co-host, the Z man, Cliff Zlotnick at the controls, John, you gotta have faith. Uh, Next week, we're off, July 5th. We're going to take the week off. Two weeks from now, we'll be back with the Restoration Industries Global Watchdog and a panel of folks from down in Florida talking a little more about the restoration industry and the the restoration industry issues of the day. We look forward to talking with Pete in two weeks from now. But I want all the uh, listeners to enjoy the holiday weekend. We'll be back in two weeks with the next episode of IAQ Radio. For IAQ Radio, I'm Spike Reed saying thanks for listening.